I am, uh, I owe you an apology. For what? Because I was late. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's okay. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad I was here. It's stressful when you can't get on time. You're like, oh gosh. Okay, so we were, uh, Leo and Max and Nicole got home, God, I want to say like 345. So fairly early. Got home. We went outside. I'm sure it's a beautiful day down by you guys are at. So it's really nice here. Yes. And, you know, we just want to go outside. And then Leo's like, oh, I want to drive the gator. And so I go get the gator and we head over to the field across the street that we always go to. And we're sitting there playing, having a good time. And all of a sudden I look at my wife and I go like, oh, crap. I'm like, she's like, what? She thought something happened. I said, honey, I have the podcast tonight. It's, it, it's you know, 445, 450 at this point. So, you know, we walk across the street, get back home and I start making a meal and the meal that we were making, you know, was a pretty quick meal. And I remember looking at the clock when I started it, it was like five o'clock and I'm like, okay, cool. I have enough time. We got 10 minutes, you know, we'll be eating can get everything cleaned up before I even sit down. I look at the clock 526. And that's when I went into panic mode and sent you that message like, oh my gosh. No, it's, it's fine. You know, you know, I have a fear of that, especially as it, as the weather's changing. Cause now it, it's, it's like when it's winter, you, you feel like the day's ending cause it's getting dark and now it gets more mm-hmm. dangerous. So I set a reoccurring alarm on my iPhone for like four o'clock that says podcast, just to remind me, Hey, this is tonight. <laughs> and then I've got another <laughs> one that's like five fifteen that says you better be in position right now. <laughs> so and that's. That well, that's a good thing because you had mentioned, you know, now that it's getting nice outside, it's probably good that we do it on a Monday because it's like yes. Monday, it's like the beginning of the week, everybody's yes. going back to work. By the end of the week, everybody just wants to relax and enjoy yes. a, a nice evening. Yeah, I do think Mondays are good. I, I just I have the fear too of forgetting because it seems like Mondays come so fast and it's just it's a reminder to me. It's almost annoying because it comes up. Every, I'm like, I know, I know I have the podcast, I know, but yeah. at the same time, there's gonna be that one week that I'm just. Like, well, oh, I forgot it's Monday. So I like feel better knowing that's in there. Yeah. Well, I guess we got to get through that, the admin stuff and state the obvious. Mr. Uh, Brian Sedgley is not with us tonight because he is currently down in Florida, just probably sitting on the beach drinking beer like I wish I was doing. So this week, we apologize, everybody. It's only me and Ronnie. Yeah, And even at a lower form like this, not having Mr. Brian Sedgley with us, we're still so much better than <laughs> off the cut podcast that it, it doesn't even matter. I mean, it's, I, it, yeah, it doesn't even compare. <laughs> I could get on here and, and attempt to speak Japanese for an hour and it would still be more entertaining and probably more informative than off the cut. But I digress. Um, the admin stuff. So, uh, Ronnie, I know you saw I did the giveaway today yes. uh, for the month of April, which was our last normal giveaway. We'll talk about that in just a second. That was for two $200 gift cards to US Tool and Fastener. Um, and I don't, Travis Jesse was one winner. And I don't have the person's name right off the bat, but I am going to keep talking slowly while I. I saw it and I recognize the name. Um, yeah. Uh, dang it. Why is it when I want to get somewhere quickly on Instagram? I never can. All right. I have yeah. it right here. I'm sorry. It's uh, Travis, Jesse, and Peter yes. Bates. 
Yes. Travis and I like Jesse. the way you, I like the way you did that. That's how, like that's that. how we always yeah. do. Them. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Well, I caught that one. I didn't catch it while I was live, but I did catch it. Mm-hmm. When I left the job site, I had it playing while I was driving. Funny because uh, Travis Jesse, who uh, he is a patron, and he actually won last month too. Really? He was one of the three that's, winners. That's the... why somebody said Vegas. That's why the yeah. comment said Vegas. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> that's why uh, he he won one of the $100 gift cards last month. So pretty cool. Uh, I mean, cool. I'm not going to fault somebody for winning. If, if they get lucky enough and they win every month, they win every month. I mean, um, but anyways, Isn't enough it? of that. This this month's podcast uh, giveaway, and this is under the new structure. And if you guys have not listened to the last episode of the podcast, make sure you do, because we talk about some changes. Uh, spoiler, the big change is that the giveaways moving forward from May on uh, are all going to be Patreon only. We're, we're doing giveaways with patrons. Um, it's our way to give back and say thank you. Um, so if you guys want to become a patron, go check it out. How, whatever level you're at, that's how many entries you get and that's how we're going to be doing it moving forward but this month is tso products and they're doing a 200 dollars gift card to one lucky winner nice now i would normally say head over to green suitors podcast for your chance to win but there is no uh, entry form there anymore because now we are just auto entering patrons at the end of the month whoever is a patron and then we will give them the amount of entries that they are entitled to based off their tier so you guys don't have to do anything and I know this may be upsetting to some listeners, but to be fair, we did make sure that we had Patreon levels for everybody. So if you want to become a patron and get your chance to win some cool uh, gift certificates or gift cards moving forward, because I think that's all we're going to do, go to Green Su- I- or patreon.com forward slash Green Suiters Podcast. Also, doesn't it make it more easier for you to do the drawing because you already have the names you don't have to manually do that each time plus it makes it makes it a lot easier plus the uh the the giveaways are going to get bigger and bigger like i mean just i I love gift certificates because it seems like when i win something it's something i already have or it's something that doesn't apply to what i have in my shop so i love gift certificates because everybody can use that yeah, it's Cash. like Christmas. And my wife's like, what do yes. you want for Christmas? I'm like, just give me gift cards. Yes. Great. Especially so, to US Tool and Fastener. Gosh, I mean, they have everything. Yeah, 200 bucks. Be a good amount off a of domino or something for anybody that wants one. Yes. And they'll get, and they'll get uh, rewards points for getting stuff from them. Yes, and that's a nice reason. What it, what's Do you know the actual thing is like for every dollar you spend, you get... Every dollar you spend, you get a point. Um, but they do a bunch of promotions uh, every once in a while. So, like when we were at JLC, they were given five times points. So, if you spent you know four thousand dollars on a Contouro, then you got what is that twenty thousand? Yeah. yeah, twenty thousand points. My math is wow. really good. Um, and every ten thousand points is a hundred dollars off. So every thousand okay. points is is ten bucks. I I wow. used it. I had. How many points did I have? I had like fifteen or sixteen thousand because I bought from them one time when they did the five times points online, and I actually used a hundred dollar credit towards the MW one thousand workstation. Okay, that's pretty sweet. So it just comes off your cart. So I guess it wasn't just the workstation. I got a couple other things too, but I basically saved a hundred dollars off my cart, which is great. Yes. 
So I think all websites should really do that. I think it'd promote more people to go there. And I know I'm a sucker when it comes to points. That's why like, I only fly Delta. That's why I use that credit card for everything. Right. But, um, okay, so Patreon, we talked about that. Um, again, I, I know that there's probably going to be some people that are you know, not super happy about that. But at the end of the day, you know, that, that's the change that we're going to make. And we think it's a good change. And we think it really benefits the patrons moving forward. Um, and it's our way to show our appreciation for all of them. So I did want to mention real quick, Ronnie, you brought this up before we started. So one of the perks, if you're at the $5 tier or higher, is that we'll give you a shout out on the show. But what I want to do is, first of all, everybody on here exceeds that. Um, but we had a ton of people, and this is since May 1st, Ronnie. I'm going to read everybody since May 1st. We did this in the last episode. So people are excited um, about some of the changes moving forward. So we had a bunch of people move up, and I'm going to go through all of those people right now. The first one is Mr. Joe Metz. He went to the top tier. We have Steve Iadarola. That's how you say it, everybody. Iadarola. Did, did you go through the tutorial he sent on Discord? I did. I did. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. We've had that good. conversation before, and I always forget. Um, but when he said the thing about Motorola, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he upgraded to the top tier. Thank you so much, Steve awesome. and Joe. Uh, Justin Calvary Customs upgraded to the top tier. Thank you, Justin. Wow. Adam Fuller, top tier. Thank you, Adam. Uh, Dave Embry, upgraded to the top tier. Thank you, oh, Dave. Wow. Yeah, it get, gets better. Uh, Scott Shirk of Red Leg Custom Woodworks, upgraded to the top tier. Uh, Jordan Lance, Mr. Uh, Festool Repair himself, he upgraded to the top tier. And finally, we have Mr. Ben Lund. He went from the $1 a month tier to the $20 a month tier. Wow. That is everybody that has increased since we had our last beers with the boys. Um, and now that, that today is, so is cool. the day that that last podcast came out, I would assume that we're probably going to end up getting some more people jumping so cool. on here. But huge thank you, everybody. I mean, we're, we're yes. so happy and excited and again uh, i mean we appreciate everybody that listens to the podcast but when we're looking at time spent and what we want to do with this podcast uh moving forward our our big primary focus is you know we want to to be there with the patrons we've developed an amazing community with beers of the boys now soon to be bourbon with the boys um and we, we're just we're going all in we're going all in and that i think i think we've probably beat the the patreon thing to a to a what pulp? Is that a thing? Yeah. Beating yeah, it to a pulp. And the results were amazing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's really cool. We look forward to anybody else coming on and um Yes. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Oh, so I was looking today, Ronnie. We'll talk about what we've been up to. I'll go first and then I want you to go second because if you go second, it's gonna lead right into the conversation for tonight. Okay. Because what you've been up to is a conversation all on its own. That's a topic. That's a show topic. <laughs> Yeah. But um, I was looking at our uh, stats on Spotify. And so when I, or I'm sorry, Anchor, when I took the podcast over, it would say our audience size and our 
uh, monthly listenership or whatever. I think I think I'm thinking of the audience side specifically. It was like 450, 460, and it's steadily been going up, especially since you came on here. And I looked at it today, and it was like 670. Whoa! And I don't know if that was weekly or if it was monthly, but it's. I mean, it's growing. Like the that's awesome. Downloads are getting higher, and people seem to really be liking it. So, oh, that's so good to hear. And now we need to tell everybody Ronnie is leaving the podcast. Everybody, and, uh, <laughs> no, I'm like you said, I'm all in. This is yeah, great. It's I mean, fun. It is. It's fun, and it's just I like the community we're building, and I and I'm amazed. I'm I'm trying to learn the Discord, the new Discord app that we just went to for the patrons. And there's so much discussions going on there right now. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm taking it all in, but I'm 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 learning a new app because it's the first time I've been on that. I, I think some people are familiar with Discord because they're on other things and they just automatically get membership of that when they're mm-hmm. patrons, which is cool. But I do like the way that it shows you the threads that have new activity and it's easy to scan through and see what's going on. There's so much going on. I mean, people posting projects, tool questions, and members answer other members' questions. It's great. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I look at it's, it as like the the uh, the Discord side of things. That's way more for them. I, I do try to get on there and, and chime it every once in a while, but um, just seeing them all communicate in one place, I think is really cool. Yes. It's really cool. But... What we've been up to. So what what did I do last week? I I didn't have to travel last week. So that was kind of nice. Um I've just been working on the um the built-in and I've actually been making some pretty good progress. Um I got the slat wall feature backing hung up today. I got the edging on the top hung up hung up today. Um I want to come back to that in just a second because I'm super excited about something. I did uh, get my latest video filmed that will be coming out this week. Uh, So by the time this gets released, the video will already be out, but it's the comparison between the KS120 and the KSC60, corded versus cordless. And it's really just to note like what the similarities and the differences are, capacity, capabilities, how it works, all that that good stuff. I'm really happy with a good video. Um, Tomorrow... I have a full day, but um, I will be heading to my local Sherwin-Williams, which they're surprisingly, they're having a Graco and a festival demo tomorrow morning that I happened to find out about this morning while I was there picking up Primer. Um, and Travis Jesse, the one that won our, uh, uh, one of the winners of our giveaway, he's actually the festival rep for the state of Indiana. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. so that's, that's awesome. how I know him. And I texted him and I said, hey, are you doing a demo? Because the guy said, well, I don't know who's going to be here from Festival, but I know the Graco rep will be here. Um, and I was like, well, let me give Travis a call. So I gave him a call and he was like, yeah, I'm coming. I totally forgot to mention something to you. I figured, you know, you probably live pretty close. I'm like, yeah, it's right down the street. <laughs> so I'm going to go hang out with them there tomorrow. And then I'm going to eat lunch with Aaron from Fine Line Millworks, uh, something we've been doing quite a bit lately. I got a couple things to talk to him about, but Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I'll be in Toronto. So uh, I'm going to the uh, festival recharge event in Toronto, Canada. First time ever going to Canada. So that should be pretty cool. I hear that the RSVP is pretty good for this event. Oh, good. So good. Now, what I'm excited about 
I've been using the Lamello Zeta P2. Finally, I bought this thing. What I thought was December of 2021, but the payment didn't go through until like the first couple of days of January. So it wasn't even a write-off for me that year. Um, I had it for, gosh, nine months, maybe 10 months. And Patrick was here uh, from Leather by Dragonfly. And he, uh, I said, let's just mess with this. So we played with it a little bit, you know, threw some pieces together. And I was just like, yeah, okay, it's cool, whatever. You know, like I couldn't really envision myself. I even said it on social media. I was like, yeah, it's cool. It's a great tool. It's made very well. It's definitely, you know, it's it's a great machine, but I just don't know if it's going to have a big place in my shop. Man, I have taken that foot right out of my mouth because that tool, I am just finding reasons to use it now. And I'm overusing it. I've been paying attention very closely to your stories, by the way, because um, Keith Johnson told me that he's going to send me one to try, just to try one. Um, but but it keeps getting loaned out. But and I was like, I'll wait till he sends it to me and I'll try it out. But I've been watching yours as my trial. But I see where it has a place. For a long time, I thought, well, it's Domino or this, it's it's that or the other. But right. I've been paying attention, and I see the diff. They both have a place in the shop. For absolutely sure. yeah for sure. absolutely they're not they're not even close to the same tool totally different use yeah you could do a lot of similar things but man that thing is just fantastic like yes i'm trying to find out every single possible way that i can use it right now because i want to use it as much as i possibly can because now i'm like excited to do a video about it which you would think i've owned the thing for a year and a half at this point almost Never done a video on it, barely ever used it. And now it's like, if I can use it for something, I'm using it. Yeah. It's just they, so nice. It's so nice. How, what, how are there um, like consumables? What's the, pro, like those, the black little oval connector things and stuff? How are they priced? Are they, are they fair? Or are they, are they high? That's one thing I wondered about. I would say it's, it's probably similar. I haven't sat down to do comparable. the math, but comparable to like the domino connectors. Right. So it's nothing like crazy. I bought a box of 300 Tenso connectors, which is the snap, the snap in click together ones, not, not the Clamex. Those are the lock together ones. Those are more expensive, I believe. Um, I bought a box of 300 from Keith, uh, cause Keith, you know, is a vendor for, for them. Right. So anything I ever buy Lamello, I just contact Keith and I buy it from him. Um, it was, $285 for a box of 300. So about a dollar a piece kind of range. Yeah, so almost about it's a dollar bad. a piece. Now, I I I said I'm overusing it. And I it's just like any other tool. When I got a domino, man, I use the crap out of it. I right. I dominate everything and I'm like I need to put one every 6 inches because right. You know, strength and alignment and all this other stuff and then I finally was to the point where I'm like, okay, I don't you don't need to do that. And in a lot of cases like panel glue ups. I used to use it to put every board together. Now I'm like, no, like why? Yeah. If I have a really wide tabletop and I want to like run two halves through a drum sander or something like that, like I did with my dining room table and then align those two. Sure. Because then I don't have to worry about that seam. It's perfect, whatever. So this, I'm doing the same thing. I'm using it like way more than I need to. And on the slat wall is a perfect example of that. It's 60 inches tall, 60 and a half. I put five 
tensor connectors on that thing over a 60 and a half inch long span to hold uh, one and a quarter by three quarter inch, 60 inch long strip of white oak. Yeah, that's strong. <laughs> Total overkill. Yeah. And I'm not even gluing them. They're just going to snap in and just be there and look perfect, right? Yeah, I saw a comment on your, and someone asked if you glued it, and you said, I can glue it, but I'm not going to in case I need to remove it. And I thought, well, if you don't need, why would you? Like, I always like when you can take something apart, if it's possible. Why why glue it? You know, unless it was like a commercial setting, I guess, like where you had like a restaurant, you didn't want like a little kid to pull it apart. But for your yeah. office, if it clicks together, just let it stay that way, you know? Why yeah, I didn't I didn't do the um the filler strips on the ends. I didn't do those. The filler strip along the bottom, I also did not glue. And the edging for the top today, I did glue. Um and that because was that, main... gets a, that gets a lot of pressure, elbow pressure and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that so that's another example. That is about 14 feet long total width. So I, I did it. I did the nosing piece in two separate. Uh, this is a really good example of how using both of them is, is beneficial, the domino and the lamello, right? Uh, I did two seven foot pieces. So they join in the middle. So what I did is I made sure that my cut piece was the one that butt up in the middle. So it's a perfect crisp line that goes together. I left, I cut each one of those seven foot long sections slightly, slightly oversized. I'm talking like a millimeter oversized. And what I did is I, I did nine, eight or nine uh, lamello slots across that seven foot strip, right? And I plunged all of them. I did it to every single one. I plunged all of them. And then when it was time for me to go install it, I was like, that's overkill. I don't need to do this. So I skipped every other one. And guess what? It is perfectly fine. But what I did, because it's only inch and a half thick, the edging, because it's two, it appears like it's two, three quarter inch sheets of plywood. Right. Um, what I did was the piece in the middle, I took a five millimeter domino and that I plunged in, right? Because I didn't want to go end grain to end grain on that pine to try to glue it, thinking that it was going to hold together for a long time. So I put the domino in there. And now that domino gives all that extra glue surface. And it keeps everything nice and level. And so what ended up happening is I started clipping in one end. And then what I did is I slid in the other piece at an angle on that domino. And then I was able to like kind of bow it and get it into the corner. And then it was just oh sticking out. And then all I did was go clip, 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 clip all the way down. Done. Wow. I think you're really going to send me over the top. I'm going to have to get one of these. Oh, <laughs> Dude, I am, I'm telling you, and I got the, like the biscuit cutter head for it so I can use it as the biscuit, uh, joiner as well, mm -hmm. which I haven't, still haven't tried yet. I've used the Clamex connectors and they have like six other connectors or six other systems that you can use with that Zeta P2 that I haven't even started dabbling with yet. Wow. It's crazy. That's cool. I really like the face frames, clicking on the face frames that, yep. that excites me and the fronts, the front, the, uh, we just. That's something that you're, I guess you can use Domino for that, but to be able to do that and it'd be nice to be able to do an install and have it all pre, pre painted everything, go in install and then scribe your, scribe your face frame and then snap it on versus the way I would do it right now is have the face frame on with little wider wings on each side mm -hmm. and make like a template and do it that way. 
So I, oh, man, I, I can definitely see a need for it. I need it's, it. Not that gosh, I want it. I, yeah. <laughs> I I'm telling you, it is a, there's a part of me though that does want to sell it and get the cordless version. Um, oh, okay. So that's good to know. There's a cordless. It, Yes, they, they came out the cordless, but they didn't come out the cordless until after I had bought mine. Um, I bought mine and then like a month later, of course, and Keith didn't tell me, jerk, right? Yeah. Actually, no, he might have. I don't want to th- throw him under the bus like that. I actually think he did. And I was like, oh, I don't need that. So my only complaint about the machine is that I can't, I can plug it into the vac if I wanted to and it would activate. Yeah, it would activate the vacuum right. just like any other tool, but I already have a a festival plug because everything else in my shop is festival. So it's, it's just, it's kind of irritating that like I have to plug it in at one place and then use the hose in another. But I was about to pull the trigger on, hold on. Oh my gosh. Okay. One day and two hours left. I am the winning bid right now on a festival plug it cord that I can add to it. It's okay. discontinued, but I found one. Oh, on good. eBay, and I'm only talking about it right now because by the time this podcast comes out, I'll already have it. So, oh, it'll be an owner. Um, <laughs> yeah, if I win, if I win this plug it cord, then um, I'll probably just keep the corded one because then I can just plug it in. Right, right. They say it avoids the warranty, though. Apparently, you know, of course, Lamelo's going to be like, "Well, you put a different plug it cord on there." Right. I'm embracing the cordless more than I thought I would. I remember the first time I heard Festool say cordless sanders, and I thought that was so stupid because I'm going to have a hose hooked to it, and what's the point? And then I started getting some cordless sanders, and I find myself gravitating to those whenever I can. It's one less thing to deal with. So I'm eating my words on that one. Me too. That's actually a, a whole side topic that... It is. I wanted to uh, discuss if we ran out of time and, and we needed something else to talk about tonight, but I think that, that we could probably just talk about that next next week because I think we're going to have plenty to talk about, especially since I was late. But yeah, all that to say that that LaMelo, I, I mean, I, I've just been like going through my head, like what else could I use this on? You know yeah, what I mean? You know, I th- it's I th- exciting. I think you hit on something. It reminds me, I had deja vu from when I bought my first festival, I bought the 500 um, domino and I was all, I was so excited to, to buy it. And then I started doing some projects. I didn't, the key is you said you played around with it. Some, that's what you have to do. You have to, when you actually get on a project that you have to do, the last thing you want to do is mess up the project you're working on. Cause you're not familiar with the tool. So mine just kind of sat there. I tried a couple of practice pieces. It didn't line up. And I remember sending Sedge a message and I was like, I'm not sure about this domino. I'm not sure about it. And he told me some tips that now are so readily available, like holding the power cord, not plunging too deep. I was like putting my whole body into it, wasn't lining up and I didn't trust it. I did not trust the tool because I wasn't using it right. So I just set it aside. And it was, it was a good probably year before I started using it on projects because I did not trust, trust it. And I'm sure every, you know, every tool is like that to a certain extent. If you don't know how to use it, it's not going to work right. And I'm sure this is no different, but playing around with the tool is so important and allowing time for doing some joints and doing and making sure that you understand it fully before you jump in a project with it. That's key. Yeah. It's 
there's just so many, uh, so many different things. Now, I, I've been getting asked a lot since I've been doing the stories of what my thoughts are between the Clamex or the connectors versus the Domino connectors. The Domino connectors, in my opinion, are just they're superior in terms of uh, holding strength and everything else. I mean, they're not. That's they're holding based, more area, right? right? They, yeah. They're more they're more complex uh, to put together. I mean, they're easy, but they're more complex than like the Clamex. So Clamex is so simple to put together, but in terms of like strength and holding power, like I would, I would trust the Domino connectors much, much more than the the Clamex. For example, my son's bet I use the Domino Seven Hundred connectors. He's a four and a half year old boy. He's had it for over a year. I haven't had to tighten anything back down. Everything still looks great, and it's been holding that white oak bed together, no problems. Um. With if I used Clamex on that, I don't think that that would be the case. I personally, I might be wrong, but there's just more beefy hardware with the with the Festool ones. I guess maybe you might have to use more of them versus the Festool connectors to have the same strength. Maybe, yeah. Well, see, that's the I get. Well, I guess with the Clamex, that you see a lot of people gluing the Tenso connectors. Because the tensile connectors, in my eyes, and what I think that they designed it for, would be to give you the holding power for the glue up to where you don't have to clamp it. At the end of the day, I think that's truly what that's for. Easy installs and to hold it while the glue is drying, right? More than enough glue strength or uh, clamping strength. The Clamex could be the same thing, but the Clamex, I think, is more if you want to build things that are knocked down, Right. And where I think the edge goes to the Clamex is that the Clamex co uh, connectors, they only stick out like four or five millimeters from the end of the material as where the domino connectors, if you put the post in there and everything, you're talking you know, 15, 20 millimeters that sticks out. So in tight places, it would be like on my tabletop that I did for the built-in or the, the built-in top. You know, I it was perfectly fit in there, so I had to like bring them down like this, and I could only lift it up just enough to get like clear that. So if I would have to like go way up that angle, I don't think would have worked. Mm. So yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, that was a scenario that I think it was more beneficial. But do they make any other tools, or is this their main thing? I think it's their. They they make like just a standalone biscuit joiner. Uh, okay, so this was like their Lexus top-end biscuit joiner that they came up with it's a essentially it's a specialty biscuit joiner is what the lamello is i had somebody ask me today like um i haven't answered the comment or the question yet but it was something to the effect of what does this do differently than my standard dewalt biscuit joiner i'm like oh yeah this it's not even like on the same wavelength and and granted i have the, the zeta p2 which is the one that gives you the ability to use all those other connectors if you just got a regular lamello biscuit joiner there is no comparison between that machine and, and any other biscuit joiner on the market. They're too, it's totally different. I mean, I, I used to have the DeWalt and using this machine, it's a completely different experience. I had the Porter cable biscuit joiner cause I saw Norm use it. So I thought I had, I had to have it, but I, I never really embraced the biscuit joiner world. I just, the loose connection. I just, I don't know. I never really, I mean, that was the only thing available at one time, but I never really felt like it was doing a lot. Yeah. But I'll tell you what I need to do. I need to work, figure out how I can get some sort of affiliate 
deal worked out before I ever do a video on this thing. Cause I am so dang excited about this tool. I'm just as giddy as when I got the domino, right? I remember yeah, this I, feeling vividly. Yeah. Once you feel confident in a tool, that's when it's exciting. But when you doubt yourself on it, that's not fun. <laughs> no, that's, that's where it's, it's so important to just play around and get familiar with any new tool. That's the and, hardest thing. Cause that takes time. Yeah. And it I does. get I get crap for that constantly from people who, uh, you know, you ever use that lamello? Are you ever going to use that thing in the background? Or you know, and it's like I have an obsessive personality. When I see cool things that I want, I will buy them, right? And I have a lot of other things going on. So dedicating a day to just coming out here and playing with it—that's why I forced myself to use it on this project. Has it made the project take longer? Yeah, it sure has. Mm -hmm. Another really good example is the Shaper Origin. I bought that a, f a few months back and I've only played with it that one night when you guys were over at the shop. Mm -hmm. It's the only time I've turned that thing on since I owned it. Well, it, in a, another example, I bought Rubio three times, three different projects and didn't use it. Like I bought the right color and I was like, I'm not going to take a chance on this project with it. I'm not going to take right. a chance on this project with it. And finally, you know, I jumped in after going to that event and feeling comfortable with it. And I wished I had jumped on it much earlier it would have made things so much easier but i was just terrified to try something new and not know the outcome yeah. you know that's but yeah it's it you have to allocate that time and that's hard it really it, it really is because it could take like a day before you know it. and it's just like who has it the same argument goes back to like you get new tools you want to mess with them right i also want to organize my shop really well i also want to build cyst uh cyst storage cabinets for my wall I want to do all these things. Guess what? Guess what? The one thing that always gets put on the back burner shop stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Which is hilarious because from a content creator perspective, uh, I should be doing shop projects because those videos always do well, right? An organization, right? Um, but it's to me, it's like, I have so many other things that I want to do. So it gets put on the back burner. Same thing applies to new tools, right? Um, I'll get stuff, the, the UJK dovetail jig. I took it out of the box. I assembled it. And it's been sitting over on my router table uh, for, I don't know, three weeks now. I haven't had a need for it yet. And I haven't had the time to dedicate to just messing with it. I haven't, okay, I take that back. I've had the time. But you haven't made the time for it, yeah. I haven't made the right. time for it because right. to me, it's not a priority. Right. Well, you've got me, you're getting me excited about this whole thing. I may have a new tool that I have on my list. It's awesome. Buy it. Yeah. Let me send, I'll send you an Amazon affiliate link. Sorry, Keith. <laughs> Keith will be like, you just cut me out of it. Yeah. So on Amazon, who's selling them on Amazon? Are they Keith's who are set up as Amazon sellers? Is that what's happening? No, Keith is just a direct, um, you know, reseller for, uh, I think it's Colonial Saw or whatever, Colonial Tool. Oh, okay. They're the ones that make the, the Lamello. Um, I'm pretty sure that you can get them on Amazon though. Um, but obviously like Keith, you know, he's our friend. Of course I would yeah. want to send him as much business as he can get. Um, but yeah, I need to figure out some sort of, cause I'm telling you when I do the video, I'm just going to be so excited about it. People are going to find it infectious and they're going to be like, I need to buy one today. Right. <laughs> I already have like three video ideas for it. You know, the obvious things that, then not a lot of people. I mean, there are videos out there, but there's not a ton of videos out there. What do you know? Um, Lamello is that an American company or is it German or what? 
I want to say it's Swedish. That makes sense. Because Keith, I talked to Keith the other day, and he's he's going somewhere, and it's international for Lamelo. I can't remember where he said though. Um, but it, I mean, it's a European brand, for, if I remember okay. correctly. Yeah, it's the the name of the person, Suzanne Offaletter. That sounds very European. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Where Where are they made? They're made in Switzerland. Switzerland. Yep. By Suzanne Offaletter, managing manager, director, and owner of Lamelo. So it's who would have thought it's a European company? Yes, I tell you. It seems like everything that I'm into is made in Germany, Austria, Switzerland. They're all. I like my I, tools the way I like my women. <laughs> I think that's German. Right. Even your wife was made in Germany. She was. She's she's an authentic German. Everybody. That's awesome. All right, I rambled on way too long, but it's okay because now we're no, just going to talk about your crazy week. My wife even uh said something to me about your stories oh did she <laughs> yes and how terrifying well, that situation would be if that was in a house that we lived in and how yes. scary and all kinds of other things so please ronnie okay so this is our topic version, tonight everybody <laughs> well, so, so the short version of it is this is a rental we bought two years ago we found it it was not on the market Somebody I knew approached me. His sister had rented it out since the 80s and hadn't really done anything with it. So we're already like 40 years in where it was just a rental. It We always said it was over 100 years old. We did not know how old it was. But to give you an idea, it's, if you didn't see the stories, it's a two-story, um, really nice, um, big grand staircase going up, um, basically like a duplex or a townhouse. And the story we heard on it was there was two sisters that were never married and they built this place and we didn't know the date, but they built it identical on each side. And it both has the staircase going up and we just, we saw it, we loved it and we bought it as is no inspection closed in like 10 days just to try to get it from her before she put it on the market. And we grabbed it. We were excited. Um, we rented it for two years, both sides. It's been great. It's a great rental. Um, the person on side B moved out. My wife went to inspect and she's like, there's something going on. The stairs on the, where they moved out, the bottom three stairs look like they've dropped. Like where they, they're in the skirt board on the side. There was about an inch, inch I and a quarter. I saw the big gap. Yes. Yeah. And she was like, that wasn't like that. And it's funny. I have enough documentation from things I did and stories when we were renovating it. I looked, it was not like that. And she was pretty, like, I would say upset, like almost to the point of tears, like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to, this is bad. This is really bad. And so I gave her the whole thing of like, it's not that bad. It's not that big of a deal. It can be fixed. It's not a big deal. And she was like, what do you mean it's not a big deal? I'm like, it's just not, we'll, we'll be able to take care of it. I was like, there's a, there's a crawl space underneath there. I'll be able to take care of it. Something's given way or something, no big deal. And she's like, okay. So this became number one priority over everything else I had. I was like, I can make Monday and Tuesday work. I'm going to do it. I'm going to knock this out. So my options were to take the stair. When you walk in, there's like four by four area before you go up the stairs. I could take the hardwood floors up and get to it that way, which is going to a whole other project to try to make that be right again. Um, 
there was a closet under the stairs and I thought, you know, if I took that floor up, I'd be able to patch that. However, and nobody would ever know because it's, it's a closet under, under the stairs. She liked that idea too. I was terrified because this is like a stone foundation house. And I'm thinking, what am I going to find when I take this flooring up? And I took it up and I was kind of happy to see that looked like it's about a foot and a half of space before the ground. And I was like, okay, I can do this reached in. It was termite damage from so long ago. There was there were no trace of active, but it was just old damage that at How one old time is this that, house again? Okay, so that that's a little little side note. I had a couple of comments and one of them was Patrick, Leather by Dragonfly, said his his sister has a house in Ohio, which is not far from here. We're in Kentucky. And he said the baseboard is identical to his sister's house that was built in the 1850s. And I was like, "Okay, hey, that's interesting." I had two other comments the people that have told me from my stories that they thought it was an 1850s house. And we've always said over a hundred years. Um, Kelly's went down to the, to the, like the historical commission, in our town, and, and they don't really have a record of it. But what they have said was it was one of the first houses on the street and it backs to the Georgetown college in our town and everything, the doorknobs, everything points to 1850. And then I even saw another clue. There's a bank two blocks away from our house that we were cutting down after our dinner date night on Friday. And on the bank, it said established 1850 on the bank on Main Street. So it is very, very realistic that this house could be 1850. It also has the largest yard of any house around. So it was when the before the town had made it two blocks over. So we're thinking 1850s is what we're thinking. And it was cool to see the, you know, the the raft the the floor rafters and um the truss, whatever, where we want to call them, let's go, joist, the joist. It was cool to see those um, and how big they were at one time. You know, they they were true two buys. And so that one was gone under the stairs. And that's why the stairs had dropped. And I reached over to the one next to it and it was gone too. And I was like, oh no, this is not good. <laughs> this is not good at all. I was like, don't what if fall right now? All... Don't fall. Well, right I was now. like, <laughs> what if they're all bad? Because this is not a part of the crawl space you can get to because the house had been added on to like in the, and there's no telling when, I mean, 60s at, at the earliest, it, it was a long time ago. So there was no way to get into this crawl space, but the back one you could get into. Um, so I had never seen this part of the house. I had never seen under it. And it was when I opened the floor, I mean, it was just like, kind of like, oh gosh, what are we getting into? But luckily I reached to the third one over and it was solid as could be. So we're, we're good. Um, but it was, it was so cool to put my, my duo light, my festival duo light was the hero because yeah. I have those little, those little cyst lights, but that duo light, I put it down there and it kind of took away some of the fear because I could see just like, it was like a gym. It was like amazing light. So I took a broom to knock all the spider webs off. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going for this. My goal was to replace the rafters. And I thought this can't be that hard. And I was going to have to jack up the house and the whole time i was looking before i went down there i like planned it out i had some people texting me i was like yeah i'm getting ready to go they were watching this story i'm like yeah i'm getting ready to go down it doesn't look like a big deal at all i get down there and it instantly was smaller than i thought because when i went down towards the front of the house like under the stairs to kind of check it out like my back was almost touching the bottom of the rafters to the point of that when i went forward I had to take the tools that I was taking with me and have my hands out in front of me. I could not bring my hands down. I had to crawl with my hands out in front of me 
to where I was working and I had to back out with my hand staying in front of me. I could not bring them down to my side. Oh that, my gosh. that made it a very long day. I had two full days that I worked on this and there was a few times that I almost gave up and I'm like, I'm tearing this floor up. What am I doing? This is ridiculous. I, I can't do this, but I kept pushing through and I, on the second day I felt like, okay, I can do this. But what I ended up doing was setting the rafters on the stone. It's a dry stack stone foundation, which now that would be so unacceptable in now today's standards. But look at this house has been sitting there for, you know, possibly close to 150, you know, close to 200 years. And it's still fine. It's fine. But I thought about one difference is that they probably laid that stone on like untouched ground. Like we go into neighborhoods now and we take all the, we, we make it not like virgin ground. We make it, you know, where it's susceptible to like, I guess, settling, but they laid these stones like just so perfectly. And I set the, the, the new joist on there and pulled back and I put a jack underneath it and I raised the house up about two inches. I'd say about two inches and, and made a new pier for it. And there was a point where I was down there and I started realizing when I was raising it up, I was hearing a little bit of cracking and stuff. I was like, you know, this is one of those times that this is a dumb way to die. <laughs> you know? Yes. What if, what if the floor just gives out completely and the stairs just crush me? So it was a point where I had my AirPods in where I could call for, you know, help if something happened. I was, but finally I was like, okay, I left and I went to the store and I bought three more jacks. And I was like, it didn't matter the cost of the jacks because I was like, I'm either going to die doing this or 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 I need to make this safer. So I went, I left, and I, I bought three more jacks to to just have more than one, you know, supporting the weight. And I and I did them kind of simultaneously, jacked up with the new rafters. And I did take the other old ones out. By the way, I was able to take the old rafters out by just pulling them sideways, and they just about broke free. That's how. That's how. Just they were like balsa wood. Like, and I saved them. I actually saved them because they have cut nails in there. They have the, all the cut nails, like their handmade nails mm-hmm. and everything. It's really cool. Um, but after that, I framed back to the stair opening and left pretty much an opening. And I framed that one separately. And one of the coolest things was when I went to put the um, the floor joist back and I set it from the stone to the other stone, it laid up perfectly with the floor. I didn't have to shim it or anything. Those stones where they set them, they were still perfect, perfectly. It just, it was amazing. I, I did feel a big, um, I don't know, like success from that, even though I almost gave up two times, it was cool to do that and not mess the house up. And yeah. I was able to raise the stairs up and the stairs still have a slight gap, but the floor is right. The treads are level. And I decided just, I'm going to fill those gaps in paint versus trying to, push those up any higher because everything looks right and everything is right um i raised the floor up but the problem is the bottom three stairs are still in the original stair well like with the wall in the back and i had to tear into that wall to raise those treads anymore and the main thing i was concerned with it was it being solid and being level and it is now so it was um i had some people say why are you even doing that why don't you hire somebody to do that that's not something you can hire somebody to do. Like somebody, if you, if I hired somebody in, they'd say, okay, we need to take the staircase out. We need to remove the floor. We're going to redo this. And it's like, no, we're not trying to get into that. This is, this is the house we rent. It needs to be solid. It needs to be nice. Look nice at minimal cost. 
And that's, that's where we were coming from with this. I mean, wonder like how much did you spend on fixing that? Are you uh, $400? How much do you think it would have cost if you had had a company? Oh, it? thousands. Oh I, I would say minimum 15,000 minimum. Yeah. yeah. Minimum. So it was worth it. And, and the whole time, I mean, I, I kind of put myself in a hole because I told my wife, I was like, it's not a big deal. You know, I was, I thought about that while I was under the house. I was like, yeah, not a big deal, huh? Not a big deal. Yeah. But it, it did become a bigger deal. And mainly because I didn't have the room that I thought I had under there. It was pretty tight. I, I go home and I tell Cameron the story and he actually had a very good point. He was like, dad, why don't you just dig it out somewhere? Cause it was powder dry under there. I could have totally taken a shovel and just given myself another three or four inches. I didn't think about that option. I was, uh, and then at one point I saw bones on the floor and I, I posted that on the story and I was like, are these spinal bones? What are they? Everybody jumped back. They were like, that's either a ham bone or a steak bone. And he goes, probably the guys that were framing the house just threw them in there after they had their lunch. That was one theory. The other theory was an animal like a possum or something could have raided the trash and had a way to get under there. And they were eating their lunch or dinner under the house. And that's how that bone came back under there. I was, so, that was going to be my, my question to you is, did you find anything like gosh. freaky? I, that house, whenever, um, we're outside when the, when it's spring, I've seen snakes cause it's got a stone foundation and I've seen some, you know, garter snakes and things. And I just knew the whole time I was going to come across, we had those 50 degree mornings. I was going to come across a snake just curled up. So I, my eyes were like wide open the whole time doing that. But other than spiders, just like the normals, like spiders, I didn't see anything. Didn't, no signs of life. I had some funny comments on there where people were like, no plastic in the crawl space. <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> no Avantech, no zip system. No, nothing, nothing. And I think about that. And I think about how we're so like into products now and we, we we know like this building science, but guess what? This house has been sitting there for that long and it's still fine and it's still rents and people love it. And it just shows how sometimes I think we might go a little bit overboard with our building science. Well, what's interesting about it is you'd be hard pressed to have a house that's built, a that typical house that's built now. I'm not talking like a super high-end builder, um, but like a typical, you know, spec home. You'd be hard pressed to have that last 150 years. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, and I'm not sure really why. I mean, they, I guess their, their dimensional lumber was larger. Um, they just, they built things to last. I mean, that stone foundations holding up. It was cool. I was able to look across and see the, um, stone foundation. Every room in the house has a fireplace and I was able to see the stacked stone that supports the fireplaces that go up two stories. And it's just stones that they just stacked and they would use like they would use stones, maybe the size of a football range. And then they would use little stones and stick them in between to kind of use them as shims. And they looked the little stack looked so nice that they knew no one would ever see. It was really cool to see that. Yeah. So it was, it was, a, it was a fun, different project. I hated every minute of it while I was doing it, but it was worth it when I was done. It was actually almost, I would say fun to do it because it was so kind of a, how many times did you have to crawl in and out? Because what I'm envisioning is that you jacked, like you can't, you didn't have enough space to make cuts and everything underneath the house. So you right. jacked it up, got a measurement. Uh, I'm assuming you put like a stone base or something underneath it to mm -hmm. hold the post. I used, I used a four inch solid concrete block as a base and I used a treated four by six as my pier. 
and I put a metal plate between the four by six and the concrete pier. So moisture would never want to come back through it. So yeah. you put all that in place, jacked it up and then got your measurement, crawled out, went outside, cut the piece, went back under there. Like if you were, if you could only be on your stomach, like how did you, you know, turn on your side to like nail or there screw was, or whatever there was you needed a time- to do? There was the hardest ones when I would go down there with the four the four inch concrete block and I would push it in front of me. I had all my tools on top of it and I would push in front of me. There was one time I went down, I had jacked and I realized that I'd forgotten the tape measure. And <laughs> I was so desperate to not go back and get the tape measure. I took one of the handles of the jack and I held it up and put my thumb next to it. And I was like, that's going to be my measurement. That's going to be it. So I go out. And I cut it and my hand must have slid because it was totally wrong measurement. So I still had, <laughs> you said, how many times did I go down there? It's, it's not even countable. How many times? Like I, I would say 50 times 60. I don't know. It was so much the next day. I was so sore. Like my neck muscles were so sore from holding my head up the whole day. I was sore in places that, that I've never been sore before. And it's funny too, how, when you start out with something like this, you're like, I'm going to put this two by 10 down and that's what I'm going to slide on. And I'll stay clean that way. And, and I'm like, I'm going to do this towards the end. I didn't care. I was down. I was just, I got home and I took my pockets out and they were filled with just powder dirt because it's just powder floor on the bottom of that. It was, I got to the point where I just didn't even care anymore, but I did get it done and she's excited and she's, I mean, she's a customer running to make happy. Good, good for you. I tell you what, I <laughs> if that was me, I I would have gone down there. I would have peeked my head under there. I mean, there's if you're if if you were that tight of a fit, you, there's no way my big ass would have fit in there. Not even close. Uh, I would have looked down there one time and been like, I'll pay the fifteen grand, get somebody else to come in here and do it. I see. I'll look at that. That that side rents for, let's see, like twenty two thousand a year. So I look at that. If I put 15 into it, I'd be like, man, I'd lose rent for the entire year if I did that. Right. But yeah. one of the craziest things about <laughs> when I'm backing up, I had to put something to my right to let me know when I could raise up because it was such a tight fit. It was about nine and a half feet that I was going under the floor straight forward. And I have to go straight back and I'm up against the rock foundation. And if I, when I was backing up, I didn't know when I could raise up, I didn't know where the hole was. So I had to put something beside me so I could see where, cause if not, I would get to the point where my, my, I went too far. Like I passed the hole up. <laughs> so just cause I you didn't want to lift your head up. You just had to keep I did what like it, my neck yeah. hurts so bad. I just want to keep I'll, looking down. I didn't know where to lift up. So I had to make a marker for myself, but I did have some people comment and say, that was kind of dangerous to be by yourself and doing that. And I was like, you know what? You're so right. I didn't think about it until I was down there. And I thought that was dangerous. It, it was. And I, I think going to get the other jacks was smart because I had one, I had two, one was not working right. And so I was like, I don't, I'm not going to deal with this. So I went and, and got some more, but that was the key. And, and putting those, those new timbers under there it just made me feel better. It's amazing how a lot of people wouldn't realize you can jack a house up so easy. Houses don't weigh that much. You can just, it, it's not that hard. They just have a have a good foundation. And I've done a version of this before on it, on a newer house, just in a couple well, of places. To be fair, you only like, technically jacked up a specific spot of the house 
So like the rest yeah. of the house was still yes. like this yeah. this section yeah. fell in. What I was jacking up though was the staircase. That's where it's uh, set on the floor, which was makes it kind of and this is if someone didn't see the the story when you walk in, it's basically a grand staircase. It goes up and it goes up like maybe like 10, 10 stairs and it wraps, it's free floating and wraps around. It actually has a hand made hand. I mean, it's a, it's very extravagant for what it is. And it's amazing. They built that on site, I'm sure. And all of that weight was, you know, sitting down there on that floor where the two joists that were holding it, it's like the hallway and the, those were actually just balsa wood. So that's when I realized when I was down there, I was like, there's nothing holding this up except for the hardwood floors. The structure underneath is gone. And that's where I realized this is something that could just snap and come right yeah. down. And so I kind of realized the danger. And that's when I went and, and bought the other jacks. But it was it was an experience. And like you said, it, it the only alternative was to tear it all out, which is almost impossible. And when I threw out the 15,000, I don't think anybody would ever want to come in and tear those stairs out and rebuilt it's almost impossible it's like it, i really don't know if there was another option than what i did yeah and the nice part is now this can be rented i mean i told my wife that this will last, outlast me what the repair i did will last longer than i will so it's i i uh i watched a bunch of your stories but just out of curiosity i just went to your page uh just to see if you had done any like actual posts about it yet and get look what it says what does it say? I can't see it. It says follow back. Apparently follow I'm back. not I'm not following you anymore. What? Yeah. How'd that happen? Said, I have no idea. It says follow back. I huh. guess I'll I guess I'll follow you. You seems like you're I account. you know, I've accidentally followed a few people before oh, when they I know why. Why? I'm logged in on the green suitors account. That's happened to me too. That happened, that's happened to me a lot actually lately. I've been going over on that account and then it tells me that. Um, but I have accidentally unfollowed some people that I've re I didn't realize. I don't know when it happened, but it must have been in my pocket. And I just, all you have to do is hit that button. And I've realized that. And I, and I send them a message. I follow them. I say, Hey, oh gosh. I just followed you, but I know I was following you before and I never underfollowed you on purpose, but that's happened to me. If you ever did that to me? I'd be like, Yeah, yeah right. Whatever. Sure. Yeah. You did. Yeah. Oh, you know, Daniel Dunlap, when we were at WorkbenchCon once, he was like, man, he goes, we've got like the same amount of followers. Like, what? what is your handle? And he's like, I don't see you. I don't see you. And we were all trying to figure out Keith Johnson. Everybody was trying to figure it out what was going on. He apparently had blocked me. <laughs> and he was like, I don't even know who you are, dude. I didn't block you. And they were like, it says right here you blocked him. Yeah. And we were trying to figure it out. But things happen. I've, had, I've actually had that happen on YouTube. Somebody, uh, a couple of different times, somebody has written me um, either under a different account or they emailed me directly and they said, hey, I posted a, a comment on your page and I don't see it now. And I'm like, I don't hide anything. I'm like, let me go to the held for review. Sometimes people's comments don't show up because they're held for review for no reason. And nope, sure enough, wasn't there either. And so I ended up looking into it and I found like where I could go and see like who I've hid from the channel and blocked and all this other stuff. And back then I almost never did that ever. So I don't know how I checked the list and there was a whole bunch of people on there. Hmm. And yeah. uh, both times those individuals were there and I'm like, dude, I have no idea unless you left me some like super, super hateful comment at some point, you know, maybe I hid you from the channel, but you know, now I do it all the time just cause I'm tired of the negativity, <laughs> but <laughs> um awesome. man what a there's no way i would have done it no way 
I have like, point. did did you go in my basement when you were here? No, I've seen it on your stories. So I have like a crawl space area of the basement, like everything underneath, like the kitchen and uh, out towards the garage and all that stuff. You know, it's a crawl space, but like I can get up there, but it's elevated. Right. So it's, you know, typical, I think it's actual ground level for outside, but there's more than enough space. There's plastic down. There's a bunch of pea gravel underneath the plastic. I can mm-hmm. crawl around anywhere I need to go, look at the pipes, all that stuff. Uh, I don't even like going in there. So yeah, there's no way I would have been anywhere near what you were talking about. There definitely is a lot of advantages to a house either having, we have some that have utility basements, like from the fifties and sixties where you go down, it just has like the washer and dryer, hot water heater, HVAC, but it's not intended to be living space. That is so much easier to work on a house when you have that and versus a crawl space. And we have some houses that have like three or four foot crawl spaces, which is, you know, it's nice, but a couple of them that it gets questionable. They're like a, a foot and a half. And when you have to do something that really, really makes it a lot more complicated logistically. Cause I think about it, the thing that I did that took two days, it wasn't two full days. It was like from nine to two next day, maybe nine to two again. Um, if that had been a utility basement, that would have taken me probably two hours, maybe right. at the most. All my time was spent, like you said, getting down there and getting things to it and going back and forth. It just made it so much harder. Um, but that's something definitely to consider. Someone's ever looking at a house. What's your access to the underneath? Because you do need access. Yeah. And we we do have one house that was built in the 50s. And I didn't realize they did houses on a slab in the 50s. Did you know that? Uh, I didn't. I don't know a lot about yeah. home building at all. Well, it, it was a house built in the fifties and I just assumed it was on a crawl space. We had like three minutes to look at it and we made a bid before there was three other people coming in and everything about the house is perfect, but turned out it was built on a slab and that's the house that we've had trouble with the sewer drain. So we're actually getting ready to get that relined. They have to they actually put like a balloon in there and run a liner through there so they don't have to dig it up because we have like L, laminate floor, like what basically what you put down the L, the vinyl floor. Mm-hmm. And we would have to tear that out and retrench and everything to run new lines. So they're going to do that for us from the street all the way out to the house. It gets relined. It's it's basically like they put a balloon in and they put the, whatever the cement or whatever in, and it, it puts a new line in there where it's, it's corroded over time because they used to use cast iron and then they rust out and we're starting to have problems with the drain. Huh. But, I feel like I've seen that like on TikTok or Instagram, some crazy thing that like came up through the drain and then it, yeah, I've seen yeah. that before. They they don't have to dig up your yard or dig up the floor in the house or anything. And it has like a 15, 20 year warranty after we do that. So one, but the, the moral of that story is that that's an important thing that I don't, and it's not just for rental houses, anybody that's looking for a house, it, it really matters what the underside is. Is it a basement? Is it a crawl space? How accessible is it? It it is very important. That's what and it's terrifies also important. me about having rentals, man. Stuff like this happening. And what if you have like, you know, you how many rentals do you have? Ten. Yeah, ten. What if like five had huge things happen all at the same time? Like, God, it terrifies me. It's a factor, but chances of that happening are pretty rare. But we do have, we have three right now. They're getting new roofs from the storms this winter. Hmm. Yeah, I remember. You, I think you talked about that yeah. on the last episode. Yeah, yeah. doing all the but, estimates. 
it, it all works out. It's the same as an insurance company. You know, if I, I would tell insurance company, they're all the new roofs going on right now from all the windstorms. I'd be like, gosh, I'd never own a wind, uh, insurance company. They got to pay out all these roofs. But if you go to the big cities and you see their skyscrapers with your names on top, they're doing okay. Yeah, it all works out. Same thing, you know. When you've got ten houses, you got rent coming in from all of them. You're, it's okay. It's all right. Um, the only the thing that bugs me the most though is like we're talking about the fifteen thousand, and I think about each unit and what they or house and what they they make. It kills me when I think about I'm spending the entire year's rent on, you know, doing a repair, but. The biggest things on a rental house are the roofs when they need to be replaced. Water heaters are no big deal. I always do those. And HVAC, those are, those would be the three big ones. Other than that, you don't get calls for electrical. Plumbing is just some maintenance item and it, they're pretty they're they're fairly easy to take care of. I'll tell those you what I ones. what I still need to do and I may see if maybe you would be able to come out and assist me in doing it, but I still need to do that back door. I had those guys come out and do the estimates. I finally uh, just laid my last row of flooring just because I know like whether I have it there or not, it makes no difference. Water's coming in, whatever. Um, And it's, it's not enough to, for it to really be a problem, but um, I got to get that thing replaced, but I got the estimates and it was just like, I think it was like, what did I tell you? 7,500 for Pella. And the door it was, was thirty five hundred, and probably charged seven thousand with install. Yeah, well, that's the funny thing. So, okay, well, I'll share this because we still got a few minutes. Um, I don't think I ever talked about this on the podcast. So, I had uh, I talked to Ronnie originally about swapping out. I have a, a double door. It used to be a sliding door, but it's now it's a French door. And our, our house is like the only house in the neighborhood that has the French door that of all my neighbors that I can see. So I know that there was a, a sliding glass door, but it's a really, really small sliding glass door. So, you know, we're like, oh, well, maybe we could make the opening wider and we put a bigger door, but the stairs, the concrete stairs that we had laid down are exactly the size of the door. So we're kind of stuck by doing that. And I didn't want to have an even smaller opening by going back to a sliding door. So we want to get a French door. So I called Pella and we just have a standard one that you'd buy at Lowe's, Home Depot, Menards, whatever, probably 500 bucks. Like the one that's in the store, like not a special order one, like just the standard one. I don't know how old it is. It leaks. Um, you know, we get water coming in regularly. The, the, the glass had some sort of stuff on it. It's got the blinds on the inside, which my wife and I don't love. Um, it's just not a good door. So we want to replace it. Hella comes out seventy five hundred dollars. Oh man! Granted, the door is nice, and I've looked up the cost of the door, and the door is like thirty five hundred, four thousand dollars, maybe even more than that. The one, the one that I was looking at may have been closer to like five. Well, I know because the way that they come out there and they pitch everything, and you know, anytime I get told on the phone that well, when we do the estimate, we ask that your you and your spouse are there, and I'm like, F so you can make you. a decision. Yeah, yeah, f you, like. <laughs> My spouse is not going to be here. I've had companies say, okay, well, then we can't come. Mm-hmm. It's company policy. Like, okay, oh, we yeah. can't come. I'm like, all right, fine. Screw you. Like, yeah. I can make the decision. I don't need my wife to be here to, to determine that. We've talked about it like adults do. And now I am going to make the determination based on my experience with the sales rep. So this guy comes out super nice, really good, walks through everything really heavy on the sales side of things, but subtle about it. So I could appreciate that. But like, I, I know the deal, right? Um, and I was like, I looked at him, I was like, dude, be honest with me. 
how much of this is actually an upcharge? Because I can go online right now and I can look at the price of the door and how much of this is inflated for installation. It's like our installation rate's only like 800 bucks or something like that. You know, he's like, oh, you know, you get the warranty and you get all this other stuff. And so I got kind of hesitant. So I had another company come out, local company. Guy shows up, super relaxed, super chill, not trying to sell, sell me on anything. Honestly, seemed as though he didn't care whether or not like I wanted a door or not. Mm-hmm. He was just like, well, what do you want? Who'd you have? I had Pella come out. I said, well, we're actually installers. Like we really don't do a lot of estimates. We just install for Lowe's, Home Depot, and Pella. And I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, when it comes to doors, like if if you order something from them, there's a good chance that our company is going to be one of the, the companies to come out and do it. They got rave reviews, right? So he gets the measurements and all that stuff. And he sends me back a quote, way cheaper, obviously. Not like way, way cheaper, but definitely less expensive. And I said, well, quote me the price for that Pella door. So he quotes me the price for the Pella door. It was like $1,500 less. And he goes, the difference that you're paying for with Pella is the agent fee, the salesman's fee. Mm. So they tack that on. That's what the, that's what the salesperson gets. Uh, He's like, yeah, the price of the door and the install, it's going to be the same. He's like, the upcharge when you buy the Pella stuff or Anderson Windows or all these other companies, mm-hmm. um, you, you're paying an upcharge for that. So I was, I never, I still never ended up getting it done because you had told me, you're like, if this isn't going to be your forever home and you're only going to be there for five to 10 years, like it's silly for you to spend that much money on a door because right. you're never going to get your money back on it. It is. It is. And you're going to install it as it just as good as the builder would have installed, if not better, because the way they install it, I mean, they stick it straight to the OSB and rarely even do any kind of sealant. They just go straight to it. But it's it's a very it's very easy install. A lot of the work is done just making sure you order the right size. You know, you have like your brick mold measurement and your rough open, opening measurement. That That's a lot of the work's done when you order the door. And you told as as me, because I'm assuming it's a very standard size. I would think so. Because when I so. measure it without the trim off, right? You told me take the trim off and just right. measure the actual rough frame opening. of the door. Yep. And, um, but when I measured across, like the measurements that I got, they were the exact same as like the typical door that at Lowe's Home Depot was 80 inches or something like that was the, yeah. was the width. It seems like in the eighties, there were some real weird sizes of doors and it's kind of hard to find those. I don't know what was going on, at least in our area, but if it's a recently built house, it's pretty standard. Yeah. It's 20 years it's, old. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's standard size, but I always look at what the brick mold um, size is. Cause you have like where your vinyl is, you want to know what that size is on the outside. And then you want to know what your, um, your rough opening is. That way, you know, the door is going to fit in, but you also want that brick mold when it's already pre-attached, you want it to be able to fill that cavity without having a space. So that's, those are the two things. Sometimes they don't come with the brick mold attached and that's fine. You just install the door and then you add that afterwards. So it just depends on the door. But and then the casing on the inside, it's it's really not a big deal. It's I think it seems scary sometimes because it's like you're taking out like a door and there's people that won't even get their doors and windows replaced in the winter because they think their house is going to be open for like extended amount of time. But it's when you remove it, you're only exposed the elements for like minutes. You can put it yeah. right back. You know? Yeah, one of the companies we had a, a window company come out and give us an estimate at one point, and it was absolutely ludicrous what they wanted. But 
um, when I asked the door guy, I was like, how long would this be like a, a day? He's like, ah, oh, no, we'll be out of here by lunch. Yeah. 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 I would say that same thing. Yeah. Good. It's more about after it's I get back about, from Germany. Yeah. The, a lot of the work is doing the prep work of getting the door ordered, figure out what you need, what you're getting in. That's, that's a big part of it. So that's what we need to talk about first is just getting it ordered, getting yeah. the right size. Because I'll, little you things can come like, up here. I'll give you feed you beer and brisket. <laughs> beer and brisket. Yeah, we'll get some. It, we'll get some content saying. out of it. You know, that's always good. Pulling pulling the casing off on the inside, like I score it with a razor blade, and I take it off really carefully just so I can see the rough opening because it's good to know where you don't have any surprises, and then you can tack it back on even with like a pin nailer just until you go to put the door in. So you like your wife doesn't go. That looks really bad. Um, I've done that before. Um, and what's nice about that is when the door comes in, the, one of the most annoying things is when you slightly order some part too large, like the top or the side, where you have to actually like take off some material to get it in. That's when it sucks. As long as everything fits okay, it's it's not bad. That's the same yeah. with windows. So yeah, we can talk about that. And it's not a scary thing, but they sure charge. I mean, the the general rule of thumb is they charge what the door is for installation, wherever the door crazy. costs. So there's ten thousand our doors, ten thousand install it. It's crazy. <laughs> well, we are uh, at our seven o'clock timeline, so I know that at any moment now, Mister Leo will probably be peeking his head out here. So we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. I know we didn't really have a topic, everybody, but Ronnie had such a crazy uh, job, and I'm so giddy about the Lamello now. I thought that yeah, we would we have more than enough to talk about. We do miss Sedge, for sure. Yeah, we do. I hope it's he's not, having a good... It's not the same without him. But we, we have plenty to talk about. Yeah. So that's good. We he's, now that he's not here holding us back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Green Suitors podcast, the world's number one podcast, not off the cut, that trashy wannabe woodworking podcast um anyways if you guys want to support us go over to patreon uh patreon.com forward slash green suitors podcast take a look at the different tiers that we have to offer and become a patron and join the fun and get a bunch of the cool perks and be a part of that community otherwise just listen to the podcast and enjoy it and uh hopefully we won't disappoint you any more than we already have on a weekly basis that's a good goal <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Ronnie. Everybody All else, right. have a great night or week. Week. Yeah. Yes. We'll see you next time. Yeah. All right. See y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.